According to a recent report in Reuters, healthcare is one of the most dangerous of all fields of work, and today we're going to discuss why. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal in Operations and Quality at Vizian and Practicing Internist. I have Diana Scott returning to our award-winning podcast to discuss workplace violence in healthcare. Welcome back to the program, Diana. Thanks, Tom. I'm really glad to be here. So it's been a while since we had you on the program. So tell us a little bit of what you do at Vizient. So I lead the accreditation and regulatory advisory team here at Vizient, and we have been in business and operation for 23 years. So we really intend to stay current on what's going on and not just the regulatory accreditation world, but what's going on from a federal level as well. I also like to add that you started at Vizient when you were 12 years old. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's level set here because I actually have a lot of passion when it comes to this. What do we define as workplace violence? So there are a couple of published definitions, and probably the one that we're most commonly using is the one from the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. And so their definition is any physical assault, threatening behavior, or verbal abuse that is occurring in the work setting. And that can come from patients, it can be family members, visitors, it could be coworkers, or really anyone under the roof of the organization. There's also been a draft, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, uh-huh. but there is a draft act in Congress that's been proposed, they have a definition and it's just a little bit more explicit, which talks about any of those types of things that's resulting in an injury, such as psychological trauma. So we hadn't really spoken about that. Mm-hmm. But psychological trauma, stress, so some of those types of things that we wouldn't necessarily think of as being an injury. And their definition really says whether it is a sustained injury or not, any of those acts would be considered workplace violence. So you and I have spoken that we both have experienced this in our professional lives. Myself as a student, even when I was a resident, and even as an attending physician, I've been threatened at times. And you, unfortunately, have experienced the same thing. Are there further categories to workplace violence? So we've been following what's been going on with OSHA. Mm -hmm. So OSHA is really taking a firm lead, categorizing and actually putting out some guidelines. And so there are actually four types of workplace violence. That which has criminal intent, Mm. there is another category that speaks to whether it could be a client, in which in our case would be patients, visitors, et cetera, on a worker. There's also a type that is referring to coworkers. So they call that a lateral or horizontal violence. And that's the kind of thing where we hear about nurses eating their young, right? Right. That's too graphic, really. Yeah. But the idea, the concept is very clear in that nurses who make it a really hard time for the novices. And then the fourth category is something where there's an employee or a staff person who has some sort of relationship outside of work. So this would be an instance where you've got a spouse or a neighbor who's got some sort of grudge who follows an employee into the workplace and some sort of adverse event happens on the premises of an organization. So how bad is the problem? So I did a little bit of research on that, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported between 2016 and 2020, there were 207 deaths that was specifically related to violence in the workplace, in the healthcare workplace. 
Also, the Bureau reported in 2020 that healthcare and social assistance workers, so our social services teams, had an incidence of 10.3 out of 10,000 full-time workers. And that showed a difference of 21.8 compared to other industries. So significantly looking at assaults and violent acts by others on our healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. And as I already mentioned, our own personal experiences have actually seen it. And I can't think of a single colleague as a physician who hasn't reported uh, some incident that occurred while either a student resident or as attending physician, if not all three. And I'm sure that's the same case in your history. There's just unbelievable number of examples where people have been abused. And I think until recently, people didn't even recognize it as being abusive behavior. So it was just part of the job, I think. Right. Really, almost anyone that's in the healthcare industry took the perspective of, oh, this is just in the course of doing my work. Oh, I'm used to it. Oh, it's okay because the patient can't control themselves or the family member is so upset. It's okay if they're verbally abusing me. There was an instance where a provider was providing bad news in the waiting room Mm -hmm. to a family. One of the family members attacked the provider and had him up against the walls trying to strangle that individual. It's just so pervasive, then we just have accepted it as normal in the past. You know, I'm curious, Dana, we kind of pride ourselves as healthcare professionals to having a certain mental and physical toughness. I always make the joke about the bladder capacity of most nurses. (laughs) So is it part of that that we haven't elevated the problem, part of that we think it's either okay or it's just part of our quote unquote toughness? It's definitely part of that. I think some of the other reasons go beyond just it's normal part of our job. There's some other factors such as it's time consuming Mm -hmm. and complicated to report these incidents. Sometimes we're like, well, who would we tell, right? So what kind of culture do we have in an organization when people don't know how to report such a thing, right? Right. So there is a cultural issue in the organization as to how comfortable employees would be in reporting it. And Secondly, do they even know how to go about reporting it? And then there's instances where they may know how to report it, but it is so complicated and so time-consuming. They feel like, I don't have time to do that. I'm just going to move on. Right. Sometimes people feel like they're going to be blamed for the incident. Like maybe I did something. Mm -hmm. Maybe I spoke in a wrong tone or I said the wrong words. And so there's a fear of being blamed that they caused the event. And then there's those that don't think that anyone else should be held accountable that it's all on the burden of the employees. So I think there's just many of those types of incidences and the fact that they don't think even if they do report, anything will happen. That's just worthless amount of time spent for no actions to be taken or no outcome. It's kind of even developing a victim mentality, if you will, is what you kind of bring up. Yeah, definitely. So the problem's gotten worse. What do you think are some of the reasons behind that? Well, I think the ones we just mentioned, in addition to the fact that maybe it's just a matter of now we're more aware, Mm -hmm. now there is more reporting, there is more acknowledgement that this is not okay, it's not part of your job, it's not acceptable. I was in one organization where they actually had put signage up, particularly in the emergency department that said violent behavior will not be acceptable and you will be prosecuted. So I think that people are becoming more comfortable speaking out and actually reporting 
for all the reasons I just said why they don't report, right. there's definitely a movement to encourage people not to accept it as part of your job. One thing I've also noted is in the entertainment industry. So I've seen it time after time again, TV shows, movies, where sometimes even the main character threatens the healthcare professional. And it just seems to be okay. Have you kind of reflected on that as well? I think the unfortunate part of that is not the fact that those kinds of things have been incorporated into entertainment, but the fact that you don't see what happens next. Right. I think that's where it's a shame that we are using that as entertainment and we can't see that there are repercussions to that, that it's unacceptable to do that. You don't ever see that piece. So it lends itself to, again, just reaffirming that, oh, it's just part of the healthcare profession's job to take that versus having some action come about as a result of it. So, you know, it's just cutting off the scene too short. Right. In my perspective, is like, well, we should see more that this person now is arrested, that they're going to trial, et cetera. Right. You don't ever see any of that. It's quite unfortunate. So who's affected? What are the consequences of workplace violence? So those that are affected, not just the person that was individually abused or had a violent act taken against them, Mm -hmm. anyone who's been in the vicinity. So any observers or witnesses. So it can be other colleagues, other peers. It can be the patient that was in the room next door, or it can be visitors. There's no one who comes out of this unscathed by witnessing such an event. Dana, thanks for this discussion, and we'll continue it in our next episode. And to our listeners, you can contact Diana at her email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And please note, Vizian offers an objective assessment of your workplace violence prevention program, and please contact Diana for any additional information. If you have any additional questions pertaining to Modern Practice, or you simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email, modernpracticepodcast.com. We posted a link in our resource section. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.